0: You're listening to the Bill Sunday School Podcast. Turn to Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read a passage. Uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 1. Uh, we're, we're going to talk about baptism today. And th- this passage applies because it kind of says like what baptism is in, in, a, in, a, in a way uh, about Christ's death. And so Romans chapter 6 starting in verse 1. And I think we'll put it up on the board or up on the, uh, yeah, yeah, up there. I fr- My computer crashed yesterday. Everybody say, ah. Oh. Since I usually have like cool like PowerPoint things. No cool PowerPoint things today. My bad. I mean, it's not my bad. It's my computer's bad. Anyways, Romans chapter six. Let's get right into it. It says, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then listen to this verse. Or don't you know that, all of us who were baptized into Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were therefore ba- buried with him through baptism. There's that imagery of we are buried with Christ in baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So let's pray this morning. God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. and. And God, we ask that you will be here this morning in our, in our hearts, in our heads, as we learn about baptism. God, show us uh, what this thing, this rite, this, um, this thing that we do symbolizes and means. And God, put it into our hearts to, to understand this sacrament. And God, we love you. We do praise you this morning. And everybody screamed. Amen. All right. Um, I was baptized as a little baby. I was going to uh, put the picture up of me, but the, the laptop's broken again. I was a precious little baby, by the way. Um, and I, my parents were a good Catholic uh, couple. And of course, they had me. And I think a few days later, they brought me to the church and I was baptized by a priest in the, the Holy Roman Catholic tradition. Uh, they they take a little water and they put it on the baby's head. That was me. And I was baptized as a little baby. And, and so I'm the, uh, that's, I grew up Catholic, and I kind of want to share with you about my, I was baptized again, and I'll tell you that story leading up to it, but I think there's something that maybe we can learn. I, I definitely look back on that and have learned something about baptism and my thoughts about it, and maybe you can be able to learn something as well. So I was baptized in the Catholic church as a baby, grew up Catholic um, all through um, elementary school and middle school, and then... In high school, I, I came to kind of a crossroads uh, where I decided that i, I, I don 't know if this is really for me i don 't know if the church is really for me i 'm um, not sure I believe I began to just like yeah I stopped, I stopped going to church um, and probably about a year of my um, sophomore year of high school, I was like yeah i 'm not anything anymore i don 't believe in anything. I was just going through this time of yeah, I'm just not sure what I believe, so I'm not going to believe anything. And it was during that time that I, I I was taking this class in high school called biology. Anybody like biology in high school? Woo! Yeah, I liked it as well. I liked it a lot. <clears throat> and the teacher was teaching about evolution, and so... Part of my testimony has to do with like this evolution creation idea, which, by the way, is next month's Sunday school topic. We'll take the whole month to talk about evolution and creation. Um, but it was, for me, it was just this idea of like, did we really get here by accident? Is life um, an accident as far as like uh, a bunch of um, ratios put together? Is this can all this really be here? just because it, it we had billions and billions and trillions of years of, of trying different things. And so here we are now in all the splendor and beauty just because of, of randomness. And I, I really came to this conclusion. it's like, no, I don't really think that that is the way it is. I, I think there is some sort of God. And I began believing in God again in high school. And then I, I, I had a, a youth group that I started going to. And my parents joke that that's, that's when the... the the kirkendall family the catholic kirkendall family lost their son to the protestants um But uh, so I started going to this Protestant youth group and and, and decided that the Bible is true and that the God who I believed in uh, that created the world is is a loving God. It's the God of the Bible. And so that's kind of my testimony. And I was uh, in high school. I became a Christian in Germany because my dad was Air Force. And so I was in Germany, a pretty cool place to to live in high school. And I was going to this youth group, the youth group that I just mentioned, that was like a non-denominational youth group. But the, the youth leader had this partnership with the Air Force chaplaincy that he would uh, be the youth group pastor for all the denominations, and so therefore not um, make any denominational decisions. Or, for instance, he wouldn't teach a believer's baptism versus an infant baptism. He would just avoid some of those things, and that's just part of the deal of his being a youth pastor under the chaplaincy of the Air Force in Germany, where I lived on the Air Force Base. And so my, I remember when I became a Christian, my, my, pastor, uh, my youth pastor, we, we were pretty close. We had a small group together, and I remember him like telling me and like you know how someone's like trying to tell you something without telling them like i have a secret to tell but i want to tell you it but i have to tell you around it because i told someone i wouldn't tell you the secret but if you guess then i will tell you the secret one of those kind you know what i'm talking about you all know what i'm talking about um and so he under under this agreement under the chaplaincy couldn't tell me like you need to go get Baptized now as a believer, and he he was a big fan of baptisms, and so he would just ask me questions like, "Hey, what do you think about baptism?" And I'd say, "Oh, I think this great, fine, whatever." Um, and he'd say, "Well, do, you know, do you think you need to be baptized?" And my big question um, back to my youth pastor was, "Do I need to be baptized to go to heaven?" And he would, of course, say, no, you don't need to be baptized to go to heaven. But don't, you know, is, do you think it's a good thing? And I'd be, yeah, sure, whatever. And he's trying to get me to think that I needed to get baptized without saying it. Um, and looking back on it, I know that's exactly what that conversation was. I, I didn't really understand as a kid. I just thought, man, that's a, stop asking me the same question. Because <laughs> I would just re- respond with, do I need to be baptized to go to heaven? And, of course, he would respond, no, you don't need to be baptized to go to heaven. And I just think that's a... It's a good question. Don't you think it's a good question? Do you need to be baptized to go to heaven? But I think it's a poor way of living your life if if you just asked that question to everything. Like, you should read your Bible. Oh, why should I read my Bible? Do I need to read my Bible to go to heaven? It's like, no, that's just a dumb question to pair with reading your Bible. Or you should listen to Christian worship music. It's like, eh, do I need to listen to Christian worship music to go to heaven? You're like, no, but that's just a, it's a silly question to follow that. And so in the same ways, I think baptism um, maybe, maybe it's a better question with baptism, but still a silly way to live your Christian life. Just this idea that whatever you do has implications for either going to heaven or not going to heaven. Like, well, what about the Christian life? What about the Christian journey that you're on? Um, you know, is baptism good for that? Is reading the Bible good for that? Is worship music good for that? Yes. And so, and so because of that, because of that, my question and the way I was thinking when I became. Uh, Christian in high school. It's like, is baptism, uh, will it get me into heaven? No. And so I don't need it. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's a way of thinking about it. And so I wasn't, so I spent years and years of my, I was saved, uh, made a decision to follow Christ in 1993 and wasn't water baptized, a believer's immersion baptism until 1999, six years, because I just, in my head, I was like, I don't need baptism because I, uh, it don't, I don't need it for, to go to heaven. And it wasn't until, like, I was uh, some somewhat of a leader in this church that the, the this other pastor asked me, you haven't been baptized? And he's kind of in front of a group, and everyone just, like, looked at me like, dude, this guy hasn't been baptized? They looked at me like I had lobsters coming out of my ears or something, like, what is wrong with you? And I was, I, I kind of said, like, well, you don't need baptism to go to heaven, right? And everyone's just like, what a dumb, what? Just get baptized. And and the guy was like, well, you should, you know, Jesus commands us to get baptism. You know, Jesus Got baptized, you think you're better than Jesus? Um, (laughs) He didn't say that, but that was kind of the impression I got. And, and and so he told me, you know, you should research baptism, you should study baptism. And so I did, and you could study it yourself. And In fact, there's, there's little less than 100 verses uh, that mention baptism in the Bible. You could read through all those. And after reading and studying baptism, I was like, yeah, why not get baptized? Jesus does command it. It is a sacrament that the church does, and it's the symbol, and you don't need it to go to heaven, but you should do it. And so in 1999, I was baptized, and um, it was just a really cool... Uh, other Christians were there watching, and so it was this public deca- declaration. It was very symbolic for me because for me, a week later, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, um, and so those those two events were kind of. Uh, combined in, in one week for me. And so it's just this good experience and this, this idea that I was baptized and remembering Christ's death, that I'm dead to my sins and I'm, I'm raised again with Christ through the, through coming out of the water, that symbol. It was just a really good thing. And so um, so hopefully there's, there's something there I think we could learn about about this idea of like, you know, whether we do something or not shouldn't just depend on, oh, does that doing that something get us into heaven or not? Like, what about the life that we live? What about the journey? So, with that in mind, um, th- that's what we're going to talk about today. Baptism. Uh, first, some announcements. Are you okay with some announcements? Okay. If not, I, I apologize. You could, you could close your ears. La, 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 la. Um, but uh, if you're new to the middle Sunday school, did anybody come to Sunday school last week? Just kidding. You don't have to raise your hand. It'd be embarrassing because there was no Sunday school last week. We were all at Millflower Retreat. And so if you came in, you're like, where is everybody? Where's the coffee? Um, we apologize. We weren't here. We were at the Millfall Retreat. How many of you are at Millflower Retreat? Woo-hoo! Um, me too and uh let's see so that so if you're new well, i don't know where i was going with that if you're new to mill sunday school welcome we love new people sometimes people ask like do you have to register for sunday school is it like a class like no you just come you show up so thanks for coming and showing up free food and coffee in the back it, that is for you and uh we are a ministry of the mill which is our college and 20 somethings ministry at new life and so the mill our bigger ministry our actual actual mill service happens on friday night at seven o'clock and if if you fill out a first Timer card. I think they're on the tables, and bring it to the people as you leave in the back. Uh, You can get a CD of some of the worship music we recorded a long time ago at the mill. And so, uh, I think that's so. That's that's the announcements. Um, Next month, we are going to talk about evolution and creation. We're finishing up sacraments and symbols. uh, For this month, today is the thirty-first. Happy Halloween! (laughs) Everyone's like, "Is that okay to say?" It's like, "Yeah." What if I said, "Happy Harvest Fall Fest"? Yeah, there it is. All right, just kidding. We will, I'll, I'll mention Halloween in, in a little while. Um, but first, let, let's get on track and talk about baptism. Let me write the word up here. This is the word for you uh, Greek scholars. I don't know if you could see this or not. Uh, this is the uh, Greek alphabet up here. That's the pi, the, the tau, the iota, the zeta, and the omega. Baptizo, anybody recognize that from Greek? Or if you were in a fraternity, you recognize the Greek letters, I guess. And so here's the scenario. Um, imagine yourself uh, a Christian. <laughs> so you're a Christian and and you've been water baptized, believer's baptism. So you you were a Christian, then you got baptized. How many people fall into that boat? You became a Christian, then you got baptized. Lots of us. So um, you're Christian, you're baptized, and, and then you are on a tour of Israel. You go over with a tour. You're on a busload of Uh, you're on a bus with a load of people that are also christians you don't know any of them you're just chilling you're hanging out you go see uh gethsemane you see Golgotha, you see jerusalem and then the bus tour goes to uh the jordan river and there's like this big touristy uh thing and you you get to pay money and you get a white robe and then you can get baptized in the jordan river where jesus himself was baptized pretty cool um, maybe some of you have been to Israel. Maybe some of you have been baptized uh, in the Jordan River. And so uh, the question for you is Is this. You're on the bus. You're getting out. Everybody's going to get baptized and get the white robe. And I've never been to Israel, so I don't know exactly how, how it works. But I, I've seen pictures and heard stories of the, the touristy uh, Jordan baptizing uh, river thing. And so you're on the bus, and you have to make a decision. Am I going to 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 pay the money, get the white robe, be baptized again in the Jordan River, or would you say, no, I don't want to do that. I've, I've I'm bat- I'm already baptized, and I believe you, you're, you're just like you're saved once, you're baptized once. Therefore, I'm not going to get baptized in the Jordan River with the busload of tourists, or. Or do you come from the other perspective and you're like, no, that's a sweet thing. Like Jesus was baptized there. Baptism is just a symbol. And so what a great symbol to be baptized in the same river that Jesus was baptized in. Why not? And so that's the discussion question. Would you or would you not get re-baptized in the Jordan River? And by the way, I, both answers are fine. So don't think that I'm like, if you pick one answer, I'm going to make fun of you. No, I think there's, there's great arguments on both sides. So do you get it? You got the scenario? All right, ready, get set, chit-chat, go. How many of you would get baptized? You're like, sweet, yeah. How many of you are like, nah, I don't know. Oh, about half and half. How many of you are like, dude, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> Haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> um, uh, we got some mics, and so it'd be sweet uh, if, if you raised your hand, got the attention of somebody with a mic, and then just uh, told us maybe what your group talked about or what you would do personally. Yes, sir. Thanks for going first.
1: Sure. Hi, I'm Hunter. Um, Our group talked about uh, mostly it seemed like not wanting to go there, but that it it depends on what's on your heart. Like, I think that a lot of people might go there just because it's like, oh, yeah, I did that. That was pretty sweet. You know, it's like check off the box or something like that. Right. But not because, you know, the Holy Spirit led them to do it. And that's kind of, I think, the most interesting thing there is if you honestly feel led by God to go out there and do that again, go for it. But not just because it's like, well, you know, that's, you know, that's the best way to get baptized. There's yeah. no best way to get baptized. You know? Yeah,
0: that's good. So for you, it depends depend on like the, if it's like really touristy and it's like, well, no. No, it's like God. this is a spiritual thing versus just a touristy thing to do. It's good. Yes, ma'am. Go oh. ahead. You could be baptized twice if the Holy Spirit tells you because there's a lady who was watching on church. She was baptized before in America. Then she went to get baptized in Jordan River. Sweet. I would do it. Because you, I think, because Jesus did it and he called me to do it because I feel like that. So, yeah, so just go ahead and do it. No, it, because it's a symbol, you could do that symbol twice to remind yourself. Yeah, sure. What else? Anybody? Don't be shy. We're all friends in here. Yeah, and then uh, up here, Joel, the mic.
1: <coughs> okay, um, my group just actually got back from Israel and...
0: <laughs> Perfect. Sorry. They all did it. And they're like, dude, Sorry. don't...
1: <laughs> my fr- my group just got back from Israel in fact they actually did do baptism in the Jordan River it was with Matthew Ayers and um, when they were going up and doing that they all had to make the right like decision in their mind and in their heart just to think you know this is something that they can share not only with Jesus themselves, but just to to be able to share that relationship and they said that the one thing that they had to do was just like block out the tourism primarily. Yeah. And I guess one way that they really did that was since Matthew Ayers is obviously a pastor here, he did the baptism versus oh, it wasn't the people like that was just some guy. Yeah, it wasn't just some guide. It was something that was more relational. It was more within their own group. So I guess it really just depends on everybody and, like, in their own personal decision. But for them, it was just something that they could personally share with Jesus that not very many people get the chance to do.
0: Cool. Yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, so whether you get baptized uh, in the Jordan River
0: or baptized in a hot tub, you know, like, big deal. It's no less significant where or how you get baptized. It's the symbol. A reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, if you have to pay money to get baptized, like, that's shady business, you know, and Jesus would be pissed,
1: you know, and, like, I don't know about the guys that are doing the baptisms, you know, they're, like, profiting off 30, this. They 20 bucks an hour. Yeah, man. Don't like that. Dude, Not I would do bit. it. Just
0: kidding. <laughs> I wonder if Jesus would, like, turn over the tables or something, He's like, what is this? Or just part the water and then, like, Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I think uh, I don't see any other hands. Let, let's continue on with uh, with the lesson. Thank you for sharing, those of you that did. Um, the, the next piece in the notes, if you're, if you're looking at the notes, is um, uh, we're going to get into the history of baptism. I, w- I was think, really thinking about this lesson of, of baptism for, for today. And I thought, you know... So sometimes churches teach on baptism, and and it's great. And we teach like what, what we do uh, at New Life and and why we do it. And that would be a great lesson. But I thought the Mill Sunday School uh, it's this unique place at at the church and in the church where where it's like we it's not school but it's Sunday school um, where we can go deeper. We do have the opportunity to. Talk uh, talk about things and talk about the background of things, and so we'll get to um, w- what we do at New Life Church: believers' baptism by immersion. But it, I'll, I think we'll get there by just talking about the history of baptism, which will take us through. If you look on the notes, the Jewish, the early church, the Catholic, Protestant, Anabaptist tradition. This this kind of, if I could say it this way, without uh, with hopefully making some sense, like the evolution of baptism. Like why at New Life. Do we baptize people in a hot tub, and, and why do we say certain things, and why, why is it full immersion, why is it a believer's baptism, why do we do the things, the, the way we do it, why do we do it that way, There there is different ways of doing it, um, and so w- what's the history of baptism, so that's where we're going today, um, very quickly, to talk about these one, two Three, four, five different kind of movements in the history of baptism, which I think we need to begin with the Jewish history of baptism. This idea, what predated Jesus um, as far as this this thing that that Jesus, of course, got baptized, and John the Baptist was baptizing, and so like, where does this tradition of 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 baptism? Come from, and if you look in the context of the Old Testament, of course, the Old Testament was written uh, in in many cases hundreds, if not thousands, of years before the New Testament. Um, We we see, like in the Law, we see in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, we see this this in the Law. Like if you touched blood, or if you touched a dead animal, or if you had a skin disease. Or even like a sexual thing. If you had uh, sexual immorality, or, or um, touched something unclean, then you yourself, you yourself, would be declared unclean. And of course, I think there's there's obviously physical implications. If you touched a dead animal, you would be unclean and, and physically unclean. But then, but some of the uncleanliness has to do with a spiritual unclean uncleanliness like if you commit a certain sin um and you're told to go wash um wash your body and then you're you're declared unclean until that evening if you touch a dead animal you go wash and then you're declared unclean until a certain time um if you commit a sexual sin you wash your body and then you're declared unclean until a certain time and this idea of washing is throughout the old testament and all these different laws this implication that you you physically wash your body from the sin but 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 there's obviously some spiritual implications uh uh, more than just Physically washing your body, and I think you know our our history of, of baptism you know flows out of the Old Testament obviously, and that what John the Baptist was doing uh, before you know Jesus was even baptized, he was baptizing people for their clean, cleaning them of their sins, and obviously there was a physical they were actually getting washed, but then there was the spiritual element of of that they were getting cleaned, and um and in the Jewish context there's this word I'll put it up here for you. Um, it's called the the, the the I want to pronounce it correctly the the mikva. Yes, thank you. The mikva. Well, I did not do a very good job of erasing. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh it's mik It's the mikva and and the mikva refers both to an action and a thing um of of ceremonially washing your, yourself. There's these pools, even today, the Jewish, uh, tradition, maybe if you, um, but like, a people will do it before they get married. Like they'll ceremonially wash th- themselves. Um, people will do it. Uh, I, I was watching, you could research this online. I was watching YouTube videos of mikvah. Someone had a mikvah in their house, this big, like, like it's a big, um, like a kind of like a standing shower, but it's filled with water. And so it's like this big it's like a big swimming pool, like in your house, but it's kind of just for one person. And so it has steps. You actually, it's like fresh, clean water. You walk down into it. You fully immerse your body into it and you stand up. And it's like clearly like that's, you know, a Christian watching that would say, oh, it's, it's very much like baptism. Yes, it is. Um, and so you, you'd you wash, you ceremonially wash. Sometimes daily, this this guy on this YouTube video was saying that he, was, he washes in the mikvah daily. That's how, that's his... That's his shower. That's his bath. It's, it's somewhat physical in that you're washing, and it's somewhat spiritual in that you're, you're totally immersing yourself, and you're, you're asking God to clean you of your sins. And so the implications from the Jewish history, that this that seems very much like baptism, this ceremonially washing yourself and, and, and thinking about your sins being removed, both physically and, of course, spiritually. Um, and so, like our baptism... Um, at New Life Church, we usually have a hot tub or like a horse. How many of you have been baptized at New Life? Did you get baptized in like a horse trough? Anybody? Like we have these big horse troughs and we fill them up with water and then one after another people are baptized in these horse troughs. And so I imagine that as soon as you're baptized, you don't physically feel very clean, do you? Girls, you're not like, man, I, I just feel so fresh and clean. Let's dry the hair and put on some makeup and... Let's No, you, everybody, you're like, man, I need to go home and take a shower. I just got into a horse trough. Um, and so there is this context that we've kind of lost. And I think we've kind of lost it as as Americans because uh, the, the idea that we've lost is that baptism is an actual physically cleaning you because we get baptized in uh, either dirty water or a river or something. And, and we're like, man, I need to go home and take a shower. Whereas just 100 years ago, just, you know, compared to the rest of the world, uh, Americans are very clean. How many of us showered today? <laughs> How many? I mean, if you go, like, a couple days without a shower, you usually don't want to tell anybody because it's kind of embarrassing. You're like, me, I haven't showered in a week. And people are like, what? Like, what's wrong? Why haven't you showered to go shower? You probably stink. And you may or may not even stink. Just the idea of, like, not showering in a week is like, dude, why go shower? Um, but compared to 100 years ago, compared to the rest of the world, people bathe maybe once a week. I mean, compared to like a hundred years ago, like little house on the prairie days, like you'd shower once a month, you'd get a big tub and you'd like get some water from the well and you'd heat the water up on the stove with like wood. And then you'd pour the water into the bath and then you'd get the bath filled, which would probably take a long time. And then your whole family, if there was like five brothers and sisters and mom and dad, you would all bathe one after another in the same water. So imagine you'd be like seventh on the list. You're like, man, I'm so clean and fresh and ready to go. And like, what? Look at the water. It's gross. Um, But we, I mean, we as Americans in 2010, we are so clean. The the idea of of getting baptized in a horse trough and washing, like that's not washing to us. Uh, Washing to us is like daily showering. So we have kind of... Lost this idea of we're actually washing ourselves uh, of spiritually of sin when we get baptized because we it just doesn't feel like we're doing anything clean when we get into a horse trough um, to get baptized at New Life Church but but that th- that is a part of the tradition it's a very Jewish part of our history of baptism that this idea that you're cleaning yourself physically and spiritually of your sins does that make sense okay uh, hopefully I wasn't I didn't, I didn't mean to make fun of the horse troughs, but like, that's just what we do. We kind of were proud about it. We're like, dude, let's pull in the horse troughs, fill them up, and baptize people. That's what we do. we renew a new life. Um, so, yeah, anyways, uh, let's see. So uh, the Jewish history, I think I said everything I wanted to say about that. Let's talk about the early uh, church and, and the, their baptism. Um, the early church was heavily persecuted. In fact, the Greek word martyr, does anyone know what the Greek word martyr actually means? It means witness. It just means to witness, to to be a witness of Jesus. But being a witness of Jesus in the early church in the first century was so synonymous with dying for your belief because it was illegal to be a Christian, that the, that the very word martyr today, of course, means the etymology of the word is that it just came to be, you know, it was just witness, and now it means to be killed for your belief. If someone's a martyr, then they've there's someone who is killed for, for believing in Christ. And um, and so the early church heavily persecuted. You were not allowed to be a Christian under the Roman Empire. They said it's illegal, it's an act of treason, it's an act against the state to be a a, a Christian— and so people were brought to coliseums and for show, for sport, killed in coliseums with lions or gladiators. And I was researching this and I saw a picture. A painting of of a group of people in the middle of a coliseum, filled with like people screaming uh, and cheering, and a lion and some gladiators about to kill this group of people. And uh, there was like one guy standing up and and offering praise to the Lord. And the caption at the bottom said, "God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life." I was like, "Is that supposed to be funny? Like, what? What does that mean?" Um, but. I just thought it was, in my head I was like, that's funny. But then I was like, that's not that funny. But it is kind of funny, because that's what we say. But it's like, the early church, I mean, I imagine they s- said things like that. But their idea of what that meant was so different than our idea. Our idea is like, dude, God has a wonderful plan. I'm going to get a BMW before I'm 30. That's the plan. Whereas the early church is like, yeah, the wonderful plan for my life is that I might die for the cause of Christ. And others might see my death. and then And then I would bear witness. I would be a martyr for my faith. It's like, man, that's, that's just a different, it's a very different Christian world that we live in now, obviously, than back then. And we, we should be very grateful for, for the freedoms that we have. Um, and so in the early church, because it was so heavily persecuted, um, you couldn't just show up at a church and say, oh yeah, I, I believe, I'm a member now, right? Because there could potentially be spies. There could be people, the Roman, you know, could have spies. And so you were afraid to to worship in public. You were afraid. You had to if you were gonna welcome a new member, it had to be serious. There was a time of maybe some testing. It was like if you're really one of us, you need to be one of us and be with one of us and be ready to die. And so that then baptism was this public declaration where you were baptized, you were officially in this club, this illegal club where that where you were against the, the Roman government, you were as an act of treason to to be a Christian and to not worship the emperor. And so baptism was very much a public public declaration a joining in of the club and so today i mean we we when we baptize around here at new life there, you probably always hear that phrase this is a public declaration i think a lot of what we get um that idea from is this tradition of the early church and it's like you are now a part of the club you are one of us that you're in the context of family and friends and other believers where or you're now one of us when you get baptized so um yeah that's the early church history uh, of baptism, but this this moment where you were a part of the club, um, and so let's talk about the the Catholic history. I think that's that one's next. Yeah, the Catholic history. And when I say Catholic, um, of course that word means universal, and um, so the early church heavily persecuted. Three thirteen A.D., uh, something really important happens, and that is Christianity is uh, becomes legalized. Because the emperor of Rome at the time, the guy who you were supposed to worship, becomes a Christian. Do you know what his name is? I hear yeah, Constantine. The emperor Constantine becomes a Christian. And he turns the whole world on on its head because he says, you know, we've been persecuting these Christians. Now I'm a Christian. This emperor of Rome is a Christian. And then not too many years later... Christianity is then legalized, or Christianity is legalized in 313. Christianity then becomes the religion of the empire. And so it's called the Holy Roman Catholic Church, still to this day. And that's where we get that name. And it was, it's hard to think about this, but it's because it's so different than where we are now. But for, for, from about 300 something AD to about 1500 AD, like more than a thousand years. That was the only church in the West. And so you couldn't like go to the Baptist church or the Presbyterian church. It was like, if you go to church, you will go to the church, like the universal, the Catholic church, the church that the head of the church is the Pope and the archbishops and, and deacons and the priests of that church. And you could maybe, maybe your church, maybe a town had two buildings, but they were both a part of the Catholic church. There wasn't didn't have choices like i'm gonna ch- go church shopping no you, you went to the church and that, that that's the way it was for like a thousand years and and the it was the religion of the empire it was the religion of the state um it was the it was the religion it was the there wasn't any other choice and so because everyone was a a christian everyone was catholic everyone you know was kind of born into it and there wasn't any choice about the matter that people didn't talk about like oh when i became a christian like when i gave up um this other religion and became a christian when i gave up this new age crystal worship i became a christian it's like no you, you were born into being a christian that was the only religion and it was it's just the way it was, and it's kind of hard for us to think about that because we have so many choices and very postmodern and say that, you know, the, there's truth in all religions kind of things. like, well, in the Middle Ages, in this, this thousand years that happened, Christianity was the religion of the state, the religion of the politics, the religion of the land. And so people were baptized as babies then because you were born into this religion. And so still, to, still today, the, the Catholic Church baptizes babies. And, and of course they sprinkle the baby or they pour water on the baby because the idea of like dunking fully immersing a baby, I I mean, I was looking at, uh, I was reading online and I guess babies naturally can hold their breath underwater. Is that true? I guess that's true. But I mean, you don't want to experiment with that. You don't want to just try that out on a weekly basis of baptizing. It's like, yeah, they survived. I guess they're good. Um, And so for that reason, I think sprinkling became just the way baptisms happened for babies in the Catholic Church. And so still to this day, uh, babies are baptized, sprinkled, or poured water on. And um, that's just the way it is. And uh, that's the Catholic Church. In fact, the majority of uh, Christians in the world uh, still baptize Babies, A Lutherans, Presbyterians, Methodists, Anglican Communion, uh, Church of Nazarene, Reformed Church of America, United, United Church of Christ, baptizes babies as well as the Catholic Church. So the, baptizing babies is actually the majority of the ha- baptisms that happen amongst Christians. I thought that was interesting. But, um, so, so because baptism is so connected with infants um, b- and babies in the Catholic Church, then you run into this idea of like, what's it symbolized then? Because for us, you know, as new lifers, we say, oh, it symbolizes our, you know, we're being part of the, the community of faith. And we're dying to Christ, uh, dying in Christ, dying to our sin and being raised with Christ anew. But what's it symbolized for a baby? Because there's, you know, it just means something different. And so in the Catholic Church, it's kind of wrapped around this idea of, the, of grace. And a baby gets baptized and they receive grace, which kind of wraps around this idea of salvation in the Catholic Church. So then you run into weird things within, I, weird to me, I guess, uh, in the Catholic Church of like baby limbo. Like if a baby dies before it's baptized, where does it go? Well, it goes to the state of limbo or this weird section of purgatory before it can resolve its uh, sinful nature and and then and then go to heaven. And, you, and then you, you, you have the weird rules, weird to me at least, rules like this. I, I got this off Catholic, uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia online. It says baptism is the only sacrament that can be administered by anyone in an emergency. And so, in the Catholic Church, not just anyone can offer communion, not just anyone can marry two people, but any, in the case of emergency, like danger of death, anyone can baptize uh, anyone. And so, like, if a baby's, like, about to die, you could just baptize that baby. And although, ordinarily, it's administered by a priest or deacon, and in such cases, the person performing the baptism doesn't have to be Catholic. They don't even have to be a Christian. So long as water is used and proper words are said, anyone can baptize anyone in the event of an emergency. Like, you're about to die, it's like, oh, I'll baptize you so that you can not go to limbo or something in this Catholic tradition. Anyways, that's... For, imagine for a thousand years, that's the way baptisms were done. Infant baptism by sprinkling. And, and then we have the Protestant Reformation, which is where we, as, as pro, we're Protestants, New Life is a Protestant church, that's where we get our history from. And of course, um, there's a dude that nailed 95 theses on the wall, on the church door, excuse me, on Wittenberg Chapel in 1517. His name is... Martin Luther, he's like our homeboy. He's like, if, if, like, you, I don't know. He's just a cool dude. Um, he's our homeboy, Martin Luther. He started this Reformation of the Reformation of the the Catholic Church. He started the pro the the protesting, and so he's called a Protestant. We're called Protestants because we protest the Catholic Church, and and and, and protested many things. Some of those things were like indulgences. If you've heard about what those were, it's kind of a bad deal. We we said, yeah, those aren't a good thing. We protested the authority of the Pope. We protested the authority of, of, of you know, we, we, church tradition. And we would say, as Protestants, we protest that. We say, oh, it's, it's only by the Bible that we should form our beliefs. And so Martin Luther, on 1517, that, that, that big moment, he nailed the 95 Theses on the door of Wittenberg Chapel. Do you know what day he nailed those? Today, yeah, I mean, not today, today, but 1517, October 31st, he nailed those theses, these 95 bullet points of of what he's against the Catholic Church, why he's against the Catholic Church, on the door of Wittenberg Chapel on Halloween. And so I want to take like two seconds, well, maybe two minutes, and talk about the Halloween, so it's kind of a rabbit trail, but today's Halloween or Harvest Fall Fest for people that don't even like to say Halloween, the Satan's holiday. Um, but it, it, it's, it, I mean, nowadays it's like you dress, like I, I live in Manitou and so I walk down to like the coffin races. Anybody ever go to the coffin races? It's like people dressed up like they're dead and like the one of them is in a coffin with wheels and they, they race up Manitou Ave. Like What? What does that mean? Like, what are you doing? And I could actually tell you where it comes from, but that would take too much time. Uh, but I, I will tell you where Halloween comes from, because November 1st is, in the in the Catholic tradition, uh, is what? Does anyone know what day November 1st is? All Saints Day, yeah. And on All Saints Day, you celebrate all the saints that have died. And so every saint... I don't know if you know this has a day like uh, Augustine's day is uh, August 28th. St. Peter's day is, I think, June 29th. St. Patrick's day is March 17th. Of course, you know that because you like to wear green and wear T-shirts and say, kiss me, I'm Irish, um, whatever. Uh, but every saint has a day. and I, and, and And if you miss like... Uh, paying your respects to a particular saint on a particular day well then you could get all the saints on all saints day on november 1st and so november 1st um everybody goes to church and they they remember what saints have done and they uh pay venerate the the saints in some ways and pay their respects and and then there's like a big celebration and a feast of all saints day this Pretty cool day in the Catholic year that, that we just remember the people that uh, that have gone before us. And um, another way of saying All Saints Day is All Hallow's Day. Hallow means holy. It's in the our, Father, our the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's a word that means holy. Or and so <clears throat> and so the hallowed day uh, for the first day of November, All Hallowed Saints Day is where we pay our respects to the saints. And of course, if you call November 1st Hallows Day, the holy day, then you would call the eve, the day before the Hallows Day, Hallows Eve. And of course, that's where we get the word Halloween because it sounds so simple, so sounds so similar. And and so, and then, and then, and then you're like, okay, I get that. But then why do we dress up and like get candy? Like, where's all that come from? Well, all that comes from just like people adding to the traditions and, 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 and adding fun things or demonic things to things. Um, but the idea of dressing up was just doesn't really make any sense to me, but you would dress up on all hallows Eve the day before all saints day. And you dress up in some kind of like demonic evil spirits so that you would scare the evil spirits away. Perfect logic, right? Um, whatever. And so like to make November 1st, holy, you would scare away the evil spirits by being even scarier yourself and so that doesn't make any sense, but that's what people did back in the day. And that's what, uh, that's at least where the tradition comes from. So all that to say that Martin Luther, so on this big day of celebration, he hung the 95 theses on October 31st so that the next day, everybody going to church and the celebrating would read on the, like the bulletin board back then was, I guess the church door. They didn't have Facebook or mass emails yet. Um, and so if you wanted to get the, the word out, you'd put it on the church door, a.k.a. this big bulletin board, and you would announce what you wanted to announce. And so that's why Martin Luther did it on that day. And so what did the Protestants change about baptism? Not much. They, in fact, Lutherans still to this day baptized babies with sprinkling. And the, the, the Protestant church, the Reformers didn't change too much. About baptism, in fact, that leads us right into this next point: the Anabaptists um, were people that started rebaptizing. In fact, Anna means again, and so the Anabaptists, the rebaptizers, were people also called the radical reformers because they would baptize believers again, because everybody, you know, that that was around in the Middle Ages had already been baptized as a baby, and so if you really truly believed in Christ, you would, you'd commit yourself to Christ and then you'd be re-baptized. And so the Anabaptists were these group of people that re-baptized their believers. And that's, of course, where we get our tradition of, yeah, you need, to, you need a believer's baptism. You hear this idea in the Gospels and in, in, in the book of Acts that you'd hear the message, you'd repent, and then you'd get baptized. That's kind of the the flow of events or how it's supposed to go down. And, and so this idea of baptizing babies is like, no, let's not do that. Let's baptize believers. And so the Anabaptists means rebaptism, baptism um, And they were people that did things very different. They they're they were the radical reformers. They would be the people that, like, like, let's say you're in a group of people and someone's making a joke and it's kind of a dirty joke. And you're like, dude, you're about to cross the line. And then, like, someone else pipes in. It's like, that's what she said. It's like, that's it. You've crossed the line way too far. That's not even, that's just dirty. You've crossed it. Um, the Anabaptists were like that group of people. Like the that's what she said group of people. Like taking it way too far. Hopefully you understand where I'm going with this. Or maybe you won't, but hopefully you could not get offended. Um, so the Anabaptists were like these people that like took it way too far. They're all, there was a lot of reform going on, but the Anabaptists were way too far. They were rebaptizing people into their fellowship. Which of course the Catholic Church said, no, we don't like that because then it's saying, Oh, our, our baby baptism doesn't count. So so you need to rebaptize. Well, you know, that's not right. And 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 the and the Protestants who kept baptizing their infants, like the Lutherans, um, and, and still to this day, the Methodists, Presbyterians, etc., it's like, why do you need to rebaptize? You're saying that our infant baptism doesn't mean anything. And so the Anabaptists were hated, were scorned by both the Catholics and the other Protestants, and they were killed on account of their rebaptism. And they were killed by drowning. And there's this famous quote by Zwingli. If you remember me talking about him in the, the first part of this month, Zwingli was the guy that cooked a bunch of sausages during Lent and proudly ate meat during Lent when you're not supposed to do that. He said he shouted at this man's uh, execution. Let him who talks about going under go under. And then this this man, this Anabaptist, his name is Felix Mons. He was drowned to death um, because he believed in rebaptism. Pretty horrible. And so um, I, I mention all that history just to say that's where our, our history of what we do we, 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 if someone was baptized as an infant and then they become a Christian we at New Life would say be baptized again we believe in a, in a, a believer's baptism we believe in a baptism by immersion and so to conclude we, we, we do hold this baptism as a sacrament and earlier on this month we defined a sacrament as a rite R-I-T-E a rite, a ritual or something in which god is uniquely active and we would say god is uniquely active in baptism because it is a public declaration because we remember his death where 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 we go down under the water symbolizing death in fact i always have this joke that i always like to tell at baptisms it's like i only have a few jokes but i just like to retell them and try to find new people that haven't heard my jokes but so if someone gets baptized let's say outside in a river or something they come up and they're freezing cold they have like a towel on they're like cold I'll, i'll i'll always say dude do you know why you're so cold? I'll say, Bleh. and I'll say, because you just died. That's good, huh? It's good. <laughs> so I can't use it anymore because I just told everyone my joke. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, so we we God is uniquely active in the sacrament of baptism because he's uniquely active in that, that we are publicly declaring that we are part of the believer's he, he, we're publicly um, dying in the death of Christ, joining in that and being raised up, being anew, this idea of cleansing us from our sin um, and then the symbol thereof. And so baptism, we, we hold baptism as the sacrament because it's important to, to, to do this right because Jesus commanded it. Jesus was in fact baptized himself and so therefore we celebrate baptism. And in fact, I, I wanted to, tell you that the mill we always do baptisms in the fall i think in two weeks and there'll be more announcements to come we will be doing a baptism service at the mill on a friday night so if you haven't been baptized and you're like yeah i should be baptized um th- then we'll, we'll do it together as a public decoration at the mill in a couple weeks but that's just kind of an announcement before I, I wanted to end with reading this passage of scripture it's acts two starting in verse 37 and this this acts two is the story of pentecost where this awesome thing happens where they all, they all, the, all the disciples speak in languages that they've never learned. And people hear them in their own language. And people right then and there believe in the message of Jesus. And, and they're like, yes, we, we, we believe. What shall we do? And it says this. Acts 2.37 says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? It's like, yeah, we believe. We believe in Jesus now. We believe in what you're saying. What shall we do? And then Peter's quote, he says this, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. So that's what you're supposed to do, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. So what are you supposed to do? I believe, I, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow. Repent, and be baptized, that, that's what you're supposed to do. And so let's, let's, let's pray to the Lord right now. Let's thank him for baptism. God, we do love you. We praise you. We, we thank you for this symbol that you've given to us, that, God, you yourself were even baptized on this earth. God, we thank you for that, this image of washing us of our sins, reminding us that we are totally clean uh, by, by your forgiveness, reminding us that we have died to our old way of life and, and we are raised anew. That this, this concept that we can somehow be, have a new life in you. God, we believe that. We, we love the fact that you, that you lay down your life for us. And we can have that, that new life. That, uh, a, sin, uh, a life that is forgiven. And, and you would call us sin free. God, we love you. We praise you today. We leave here excited about what you're going to do in our lives. And, and God, we love you. And we praise you. And everybody said, Amen. Alright, you're officially dismissed. Next week. Evolution and creation. Peace out till then.